I feel like um, as I've been opening God's Word, you know, God's Spirit moves in whatever season we read the Word. The Word's alive and active, and, and, it's, and it, God makes it apply to whatever we're going through. Um, and as I've been opening the Bible recently, God has just been bringing out so much that's helped me in this season. And hopefully, hopefully, as He's teaching you all through me, I, I hope that it can help you all as much as it's helped me. You know, one thing that um, I, I'll say... I'll never take for granted the privilege of assembling with God's people ever again once this season is over. Um, I know y'all can uh, y'all can say amen to that, right? Uh, there's never just going to be um, just another Sunday or just another Wednesday when we get through this um, because uh, we realize just how how privileged we are to be able to come into the house and not have to worry about catching anything or worry about violating any restriction or all the different things that we've got going on right now. Um, you know, parts of the world live through these sort of restrictions all the time because it's illegal to worship publicly and freely. Thankfully, we don't have to worry about that in our country, but uh, we are facing an unseen enemy who's trying to restrict the a lot of things. And I think most and foremost, he, he thought this might would take the church down a notch, uh, but I think this is just going to make our roar even louder and our hearts even even more uh, burning with passion, um, you know. And, and I, I want to say, uh, maybe you know this, but I don't. I want to just ask you: Do you know why these drive-in services have been so good? You know why they've been so spirit-filled? It's because we we anticipate them. Right? It's because we're eager to be here. We're excited to be here. And I'm not saying that y'all aren't excited to be here every time that we, the doors are open. But in this season, we're really excited to be here, right? Even if it's in our cars, spaced away from each other, we're excited and we're eager and we anticipate being here. And, 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 and listen, they might, this might be some of the only chances you get to get out of your house. And, and listen, this opportunity we've been given as a pastor, you know, I've, I've found it easier and I've been more enabled to preach. You know why? Because you're all excited to be here. And I'm not knocking anybody in the past, but you know what? There's been some Sundays where I just thought, man, that was empty and that was boring and that was routine and that was nothing special, right? And I thought, you know what? The service just didn't have something. You know what it didn't have? It didn't have my anticipation, and my excitement and my eagerness, it didn't have me expecting something great. I came through the doors thinking it was just another Sunday. And as a preacher, right, if I've done that, I'm sure we've all done that, haven't we? We bring those lame expectations and we cast a prophecy that quenches the spirit. And I'm ashamed to say that I've been guilty of that in the past, but never again once this season is over. Listen, we don't need hype or rallies. We need diligently to seek the Lord. And if we do that with all our hearts, God will bless and God will show up just like he has in these parking lot services. And I share that with y'all because this has been something God shared with me. He's helped me not be so critical and be so insatiable, be so emotional and so timid in my faith. But rather, I need to come with eagerness and excitement and call on God with my whole heart, with all of you. And that's what makes this all the more special and what I've become all the more grateful for. We are a family in Christ. You are all a part of a family um, in Christ. And we may not have a lot in common. We may have a lot in common. It doesn't really matter. We are God's people for whom Jesus died. And he's united us together around his claws. And on that note... I want, to, I want to ask you to open up your Bibles to Philippians 1 tonight because this is a, a letter that's written to a church. Um, and, and obviously we are a church and I think we have a lot more in common with this Philippian church than we might realize. Um, but the letters in the New Testament, what I love about them most of all is they always address us. They don't just address me and they don't just address you. 
They don't just address preachers or deacons or certain kinds of people. They address everybody. And the Word always has everybody in mind, not just me and not just you, but all of us. The Word always makes the ground level, which is why my job as a messenger is to bring the Word to us all as a body, not just certain individuals or certain generations. And, and we are on even and level ground tonight. So we can come together and we're all guaranteed to find something helpful and something inspiring and that leads us into our text. And if you want to look at Philippians 1, just the first verse, this is how Paul addresses this church and how I think God addresses our church. He says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus, to all the saints. So if you are in the family of God, this letter addresses you, not just the bishops and the deacons, though it does give them a special shout out. It says to all of the saints, God is going to emphasize in this first chapter he emphasizes the importance and the value of all of you as a member of the body of Christ. Every single one. Right now, I know the enemy's trying to say, well, you're, it doesn't, you know, your purpose is not as much as it used to be. Maybe we don't matter as much as we thought we did. Listen, this scripture reminds us that we all matter and have a value and an importance to the family of God. Verse 2 promises us a very special provision. You might think this is just routine for Paul, but he mentions these in every letter, but this is very important. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We read these two words a lot as gifts of God over his people. Over and over again, we see this reminder. These are things, though, that only God's people really have. And I'm not saying that there isn't grace that people can experience or peace people can experience, but truly and fully, only God's people can find true grace and real peace. Because it says those that call God their Father and those that call Jesus their Lord, that means you and I as believers, we have access to the full measure of grace and peace. And I want to talk about what grace and peace mean, because we need grace and peace right now. Grace is ability. And peace is a mentality. Grace is the ability against a broken world, against a sinful heart. The ability to do things differently than you may have thought you could do. And peace is a mentality that can withstand evil and fallenness. Grace is the ability to overcome sin and overcome your failures. And peace is a mentality to overcome shame and doubt and fear and anything that works against us. These help us face them, and grace speaks of this external ability, and peace speaks of an internal mentality. So to make it even more applicable, grace is endurance. Right now, we're, ha we're running an endurance race. We don't know when it's going to end, right? If you enter a race, you know it's, if it's going to be so many miles or kilometers long, right? You know it's going to be over eventually. We don't know when this race is going to be over, and we think we're running low, right? And God says, I'm going to give you grace. That means I'm going to give you the ability to endure this as long as you have to. When your legs feel weak and it looks like you're about to run out of fuel, God says grace is going to get you a little bit farther and a little bit farther. Grace is the endurance that we need. And peace is assurance. See, right now we need an enduring spirit because there are some of us, there's actually something in all of us that wants to give up. We want to get mad. We want to get broken hearted. We want to just say the heck with it that causes us to see today 
as if it doesn't matter. But grace says it does matter. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Here's some help to get you through it. Right now, we need an assuring voice that reminds us that we can make it, we can overcome, that reminds us there's a reason for this, there's a purpose for this, that encourages us along when things get overwhelming, that reminds us that today matters and we've got a reason to rise up. Even if we can't leave the house, we've got a reason to rise up. In this text, we find both grace to endure and peace that gives us assurance. Paul says in verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you all. That's a plural you. Y'all. Always in every prayer of mine making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship or your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul says, I'm confident of this very thing. And somebody needs to hear this tonight. I'm confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. That right now you might feel like you're not going to make it. Paul says, I know somebody needs to be encouraged and reminded that God started this work and God intends on finishing this work. Verse 7 says, Just as it is right for me to think of you this way, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in defense of the confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me or partners with me. You're in my family. Let me give you this analogy uh, that helps me keep in mind how bright and glorious God is in line of this thinking that we are partners with God, and as a member of the church, we're partners with God in his mission to save this planet. I want you to consider the church as a surge protector. It's plugged into something very, very powerful that we couldn't contain all of the energy and all the power. It has to be, a little, it has to be translated to something we can understand and, and we can contain. Think of it this way. Heaven is full of the glory of God and His glory and holiness is so bright and so powerful that if the earth got a full blast of it, it would melt everything. He is so holy and He is so glorious. He is so pristine. The earth can't handle His unbridled presence. But the church can, in Christ, we receive the indwelling of His presence and of His power. We're receiving and we reflect it. We don't receive this arrogantly or as if we're entitled. We're humbled because we know we're not worthy. We are humble and accountable because we know what we've been given is far too great for us. The church is God's outlet where he pours himself into his people. The church is the conduit from heaven to earth. And our place here and our involvement here is so important because God equips us and enriches us through his church. So that we can go and be lights where and like he has called us to be. Verse 5 calls us partners. Verse 7 calls us partakers with God. We are participating in what, God is, in what God is doing by being members of His church. God doesn't need us, but He chooses to use us. Every one of us. God, this pandemic didn't throw a wrench into His plans. Sin threw a wrench into His plans, and that didn't stop Him. And this isn't going to stop Him either. Listen, this tells me that God is not going to let anything happen to His church. We are going to make it through this. You're going to make it through whatever you face because He chose you. We didn't choose Him. He knew what he was getting himself into, and he was confident he could get through it. 
Verse 6 is a promise, but listen closely. It's not just a promise from God to us that we're going to make through whatever we're facing. This gives us the ability and the mentality that we can say to God and whatever enemy we're fighting, nothing is going to keep us from serving the Lord. Because God started it, we're going to keep going in it because it's up to Him to give us the strength to get through it. So we don't just say, we don't just see this from God and say, hey, you know, God, thanks for keeping your part of the deal. We stand up and say, God, we're going to keep our part of the deal. We're going to get the ability and the mentality from you to face anything for your glory. And if this is for your glory, then God, we're all in. We turn to whatever we're facing today and we say, hey, today matters to God. I'm not forfeiting over to the enemy, to vanity, or to defeat. Verse 8 through 11, Paul goes on to to talk to this this group, this church, uh, about how they are understanding and they're they're, seeking to understand his afflictions. And he says in verse number 9 that he prays, that, they, that their love would grow and their knowledge would grow, their discernment would grow. Paul, who is going through a season of suffering, is worried about the church losing something in this distance, in this time where they can't connect with him and with each other. Paul says this is a chance for us all to get closer to him and know him better. How can it be that way? Paul, you're in prison. You can't visit us. You can't preach to us. All we're getting from you is a letter. Paul says this is an opportunity for your love to grow, your Uh, uh, your knowledge to grow, and your discernment to grow. Discernment is having the ability to serve God and know know what He's up to without even having to pray about it, without having to think about it. It's a naturalization of the process. It's internalizing God's will with our own minds. Paul clearly was close to God, and Paul knew God better than anybody in this time. And listen to what he says in verse 12 based on his discernment. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me, as in I got locked up and put in prison, I might not ever come out. The things that have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now see, a lot of us, most of us, we don't always or ever say this when we're facing trouble or trials or struggles. We may hope this is the case. We may realize it was the case later. But Paul knew it in the middle of the storm. See, we find out that the Philippian church had written to Paul to check on him, make sure he hadn't given up, because you would probably, we would have given up had we been thrown in jail for our faith a few years into the whole movement. They're worried Paul's going to quit believing. They're worried he's going to give up. They're worried he's going to throw in the towel. And Paul writes back and says, are you kidding? I'm not holding on. I'm not down and out. I'm right where God wants me to be. Now, am I happy about being in prison? Of course not. Am I overjoyed about being tied to a Roman soldier by a chain? Of course not. Am I thrilled about not knowing when I'm going to be free, if I'm ever going to be free, seeing daylight through a small brick once a day when it was removed to give me food? Of course not. But because God's grace and God's peace, I'm able to find happiness in spite of prison. I'm able to find joy in spite of my chains. I'm able to find hope and thrill even though I may never live free again. Because I decided a long time ago to trust in God and trust His plan and believe that wherever He leads me is for eternal good and for His glory. Every day matters to Him and for Him so I can trust Him and I can trust that today isn't just a waiting room, it's the main stage. 
Paul says, I'm trusting and resting and being renewed by his goodness, even if I don't feel or see anything good. I asked for God's peace and he gave it to me because I'm his. And his peace changed my attitude. I asked for God's grace and he gave it to me because I'm his. And his grace transformed me and gave me endurance. And thanks to him, I'm not just doing okay. I'm not just getting by. I'm thriving. I'm satisfied. And I'm filled with a peace that surpasses understanding. A joy that's unexplainable. And a hope that is not of this world. And listen, since Paul figured this out before us, we can take his word as God's word and we can pray it and ask God to make it the same for us as it was for him. We can go to God tonight and say, okay, God, we're partners. I mean, is that really the truth? We're partners? Okay, I'm, partakers of, I'm a partaker of your grace and your peace. The thing that you started in me, you chose me, and I can trust that you're going to get me through this? There's something for me to get out of this? Today matters? You mean this day? I'm going to get closer to you and know you better through this? What's happened to me is actually happening to advance the gospel? Okay, God, if all that's true, I'm all in. Today matters to God, so I'm going to live like it matters to God. Once again, today matters to God, so I'm going to live like it matters to God. Even if I'm quarantined, God, you used Paul when he was stuck in a prison. So I'm believing and I'm asking for help in my unbelief. God, I want that kind of grace. I want that kind of peace. I want that kind of hope. Listen to how Paul closes this out for us. He says, It has become evident to the whole palace guard, to all the rest in the prison, that my chains are in Christ. You know what Paul is saying? While I've been in this prison, everybody in here has heard about Jesus. Y'all thought this was going to be a muzzle on my mouth. This has just been a greater megaphone for more people to hear the gospel. Most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident of my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So let me just address something the enemy is trying to use to supplant your faith by telling you that life's not normal and it's no good. Nothing's ever ideal about this fallen world. But the good news is we don't have a God who only works in the ideal. We have a God who stepped into the real and he faced real troubles that we face. And we can trust that God doesn't avoid us on our days that are messy when we're in a mess or if we are the mess because Jesus stepped into the mess. So in the same way, God doesn't avoid our messy world. He's not asking, he's not, he's asking us to not avoid or resist letting him use us to shine his light and bring his power into it. Christians, we know the only hope there is for this world. If we don't let God use us, then what hope or help is there for this lost world? Church, it's time that we let God have our whole hearts and let him free us from this world's false expectations and unfulfilled promises. Only in him are we ever going to find true hope. And he's trying to use us to show the world that same truth. Look down at Paul's resolve in the face of whatever comes his way in verse number 19. 
For I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope that, is in, that in nothing I shall be ashamed with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul says this season is an opportunity for God to be magnified, not hidden. Look at verse 21. For me, Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, that will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I'm hard-pressed between two having a desire to part and be with Christ, which is far better. Of course it's far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. That's our attitude right now as we face uncertainty. It would be great for things to be made perfect and new. But right now, it may be more important, it may be more needful that we realize our place in this world now is more important than it's ever been. Paul accepted the struggle he loved because he loved God and he loved God's mission more than he loved himself or his own pleasure. The world needs Christians like this right now with all the hope that we have. There's no reason we can't be like this. Paul says to the church in verse 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. In this time. Why wouldn't it be? The promises he's made to us are so great. If only we would receive his grace and his peace. We'd know with certainty that God is up to something important. We'd live out our faith with true passion without hesitation at all. We'd be able to do what Paul says over and over again in this book. Yes, I will rejoice. Yes, isn't accepting whatever life throws at you. It's just determining not to let whatever comes our way cause us to reject the promises of God. We don't have to say to whatever life throws at us, I love it, but we can allow God's promises and God's goodness to help us rise above whatever life throws at us and says, listen, I will rejoice in Him. I'm not rejoicing because there's problems. I'm rejoicing because there's promises that are greater than those problems. Nobody likes problems, but God is greater than our problems. So yes, we can rejoice. If somebody looks at you and says, why are you so happy? Why are you so joyful? How can you have a positive attitude in this season? You tell them, listen, I'm facing the same problems you are. I may be facing problems problems worse than you are. I don't know, but here's what I do know. God is greater than our problems. So I'm not going to allow the problems to silence his promises. I am going to rejoice anyways. Yes, God, because of your promises and your plan, I will rejoice. No matter what, I can do all things through your strength. I can face anything for you. I don't want life any other way except your way. May this be our desire tonight. May we reach out to him with confidence. May he look down on us with kindness. May we serve him faithfully. May he find us faithful. He's up to something, and we're right where we need to be. I would love, probably as much as you are, you all or more, for this all to be over tonight. But I don't know God's plans. I can't control or persuade him one way or the other. But he can persuade us, and he can lead us, and he can give us a peace and a grace for this very season. And for that reason, I'm going to rejoice. Because today matters. 
It's a day that God has made, and we are going to rejoice. We're not going to be mad at it. We're not going to be sad because of it. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. If the Apostle Paul could write that, facing what he was facing, I know that we can read it. And we might not have the easiest time accepting it. We can pray it. And we can start believing it little at a time. And before we know it, we will say, as he says in verse 18 and all across this book, yes, I will rejoice. Because everything's better? No. But because God's promises are still true. God is still faithful. Don't let what you don't know take away what you do know. I don't know when this is going to end. But I know whenever it does, or if it never ends, God is still in control. He loves us. We're His. We're right where we need to be. And you matter. Every one of you matters to God's kingdom and to God's plan. So rejoice and be glad for being His. Ask for grace and ask for peace. He promises them to us. And we can receive it if we'll just ask for it. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for taking us through this chapter of the Bible. Thank you for the truth that you wrote for us thousands of years ago. And Lord, how relevant this scripture is, even though what we're facing wasn't on the mind of Paul, wasn't on the mind of his readers, yet your word is alive and it's so true and it's so helpful in every and any season. God, in this season more than ever, we need an enduring spirit. We need an assuring voice. We need the ability to endure the worst and the peace that will assure us that we will make it through. And Father, I want to thank you for everybody that's come out here tonight. Thank you for their faith and for their commitment to your church. Lord, they matter to this church. They matter to your kingdom. Jesus died for them. That's how much they matter. The enemy might try to tell them because things aren't the way they are used, used to be or the way they want them to be, that somehow, some way, our significance is lessened, our purpose is lessened, or our importance is somehow less. May they rebuke and may we rebuke those lies and understand that today matters more than ever. Father, I pray you would use each and every one of us for something great in this season to shine the light to somebody. It may be someone that we live with. It may be someone that we're next door to. It may be someone that we never have spoke to before, but you put them in our path because of this season. Lord, whatever it is and however it happens, Lord, use us as a light Use us to show people that there is a grace and a peace from heaven available for whoever asks for it. In Jesus' name. Father, we pray for your comfort for one of our own tonight. We ask you to bless Carolyn to help her heal her heart and give her the ability to cope and to overcome this difficult season of her life. God, provide for her in every aspect that she has a need, spiritually and also physically. Father, for our whole church, thank you for your provisions. Thank you for your blessings. We could not do this without you. And we're glad that we're right where we need to be and that you're going to take care of us through whatever we face. God, we love you. Help us to live in a way that is worthy of the gospel in this season. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.